Welcome back to the channel or welcome to the channel. My name is Spencer Sue, your Bay Area Tech Realtor. We're going to be going over a lot of things today. Every month, at the beginning of every month, what I'm going to be doing now is I'm going to actually be sharing the live data so you can see what's been going on for the last month. And we're going to go all sorts of different things, all the different things that are laggards, so information that you want to know about the history, but also moving forward, what do I see and what can you see for yourself? where things are likely to change. And the question is, are we at a potential bottom? You'll see that momentarily. At the same time, you can make the decision for yourself. Well, this is a live Q&A. So if you have any questions, reach out anytime, leave in the comments below. Uh, I will certainly respond to them if you're, if you're sharing this in the live stream. If not, we can always go over your separate conversation to go over our game plan. So what are the things we're going to cover today? We're going to go do a deep dive of the market data of the last month and what's been kind of trending. We're going to go over different market news too. Uh, rising mortgage rates complicate decision on buying versus renting. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the best real estate markets from Wallet Hub. We're going to take a look at Bay Area universities. Where do they rank in the country? Those are also very important information. We're talking about hiring. Hiring rebounded in August from a report from LinkedIn. We have some news, which is a little bit more political. California lawmakers approve landmark fast food workers. And then we have a couple of different moves when it comes to corporate real estate afterwards. So as usual, uh, if you have any questions, leave in the comments below. And we're going to go because we got a lot to cover. So much to cover. Let's talk about the data itself. So as I had predicted, and as I had mentioned many, many times, I was mentioning that the August figures were going to look worse than the July figures because I knew what July numbers were going for. I knew what they're pending for, and I knew the results of it. So as you can see, it has been a further decline from, the, from July figures. And this is for Santa Clara County for all assets. So Santa Clara County has declined by another $49,000 on average, which is equivalent to about another 3.3% month over month, right? So you can see those figures and you may be asking yourself, well, this is going to keep declining or things going to keep getting worse. Let's see what happens. So let's look at some other metrics when it comes to Santa Clara County. So let's take a look just so you can get a sense. And these are all helpful information. Let's look at the number of active homes on the market as we speak. You can see our number of active homes previously. You can see some trends are actually reversing. Some of these are a little bit more insight as to what the future may look like because you can see the active number is actually decreasing. It's not increase. It wasn't the same levels as it was for the previous months. These are active number of homes. That means a lot more are actually getting taken away. And you can get you can prove of that. This is a very important number. Number of contingent pending listings. Let's take a look at this figure. You can see the August figure is actually much higher than it was for June and July, right? It actually matched what we were having in May. Very interesting change of events. This is, this is a very important measurement that you need to factor in and understand. There's been a lot more people that has returned back to vacation. I've been saying this over and over for the last couple of weeks because it is real. Now, it is real because you can see for yourself now. You can see the total number of contingent pending is much higher than it was the previous months. So what does that mean? Likely, we may see either a flattening, but my guess is actually we're going to see a bounce back up of prices. So for those that have been waiting and waiting and waiting and thinking that the market will drop indefinitely, at least for the short term, at least for now, as you can see, the market is going upwards. Take a look at open houses. Take a look at, take a look at make an offer. 
see for yourself the data, right? Work with myself. I can help you. You can understand the data very clearly. And you can see actually prices have been ticking up over the last few weeks. And this is an indicator that shows that. Otherwise, why would contingent pending figures be higher than the previous months? Because take a look at this. The reality is there's actually less new listings coming on the market each month. So look at this. August had 1386 new listings come on the market. Compare that to last year. That's quite a bit less new homes that are coming on the market, much less than the previous months. So it's not there's more new listings. There's actually less listings. There's actually less on the market still. And so you see that happening. You, you, you will likely continue to see this happening. And so generally the forecast is this. From a price perspective, we've already had a decline of about 15% from the highs of April, at least on average. If you're in the higher price range, actually the decline has been less. And we'll go over that a little bit later. But from a let's say a first-time buyer or kind of a more of an entry average kind of price point, it's been more much more of an impact. But you can see a lot of the new listings are just not going to get listed now either, because they have to make the decision what they're going to be doing. So it is their choice because at the end of the day, they have a very fixed rate and a very low rate. So it may slow down the decision, but we'll see what ultimately happens. As you can see, this is the change. Now, the good news is let's take a look at this sale price to original price ratio. Where has this gone? The good news, as you can see for August, is that this is the lowest it has been for the entire year. 97.2% sales price to original price ratio. Now, this is important to distinguish because it's it's been a decline in prices. At least that was the August figures, right? It's been a decline in price. But let's take a look at sales price to list price ratio if it's the same. And the answer is no. So what happens is just be mindful. The current sale to list price of what they reduced it to is about 100%. So when the people actually make their adjustments downwards, you can see that it actually was a more accurate of where it should go. So if they made their drop, so you have a couple of strategies that I tell clients right now in this environment, you have two options. If the home is on the market for at least three weeks, they're probably going to be doing a price reduction. So for those homes, you may just want to make an early offer. Well, not early. You make an offer, but you make a more aggressive offer as in a, a lower price because they may very well accept it because they're going to think about a price reduction anyways. But when they do the price reduction and it becomes more fair, that number tends to be the number that gets bought, as you can see, right? Otherwise, if the sales to list price, this is the adjusted list price, was any different, then you see a different number. So very interesting to see uh, this figure. Um, the other thing I'll bring up is just number of sales. That's the only really other, other metric that might be of interest. You can see the number of sales has increased, right? So back to all the momentums, right? This is higher than it was in July. July was a very slow time. So you can see it, a lot of things have picked up. And so the question you might be bringing to yourself is, okay, thank you for sharing that, Spencer. This is very enlightening. It shows a lot of information. Let's take a look at just some other counties just so we can see some other figures because you saw the decline here. Let's look at the data one more time. If you look at the, the, the highest points was at April 161 to today at 140, that's $210,000 on average. So that is an equivalent of 13%, 13% decline from April figures. So it's been a very good discount uh, for all those people complaining about interest rates. And we're gonna talk about strategy when it comes to interest rates because at the end of the day, you have a few options still. Just because rates increase doesn't mean all of a sudden you go from zero a one to zero. You don't go from you can buy and all of a sudden you can't buy. You have to change your mentality. You're going to change some strategies. 
And fortunately, the market is already affecting that to help you either way. So that's important to just be mindful as those continue to look for the homes. Let's Santa Clara County. So you may be asking, are all counties going the same way? Well, let's take a look. Let's take a look at San Mateo County. The lot in San Mateo County too. I'll be going there later. So if you take a look at the August to the numbers, most of them follow the similar trend, right? April was the high, but then you can see August, interesting, already picked up. All right. So if you look at this data here, the highs was same in April, 1775. Minus what it is now, it actually picked up. So it already showed those signs faster than Santa Clara County. This is about similar 12.6% decline since the top. So you may be asking, what about Alameda County? Let's take a look at Alameda County. So Alameda County, medium sales price. Same same idea. In this case, their high was in May. Same trajectory. So there's no areas, at least from a county-wise, that was very that's been drastically different. They all follow the same kind of trends, but they also all follow the same uh, pickup. <coughs> Excuse me. So this is $195,000 decline on average. But if you divide that by the percent, there's actually a bigger decline here. It's been about 15.5% decline since in Alameda County. Maybe let's look at San Francisco. See what's been going on over there. San Francisco. And this is all live data. And so I'm actually doing this all live so you can see this in front of you. So you can see similar trends everywhere, everywhere is similar. April was the highest. So you can take a look at April figures. Right, April is 1610 minus 13. That's actually a pretty big $310,000 decline. So in San Francisco, it's a 19% decline during this time. Right, so you can see it's the, the trajectory and the trend has been the same, but the uptick is the question that's going to be the more interesting thing. Jay, thank you so much for tuning in. As usual, it's Spencer, not Spenner. So everyone else, don't type that. That's not going to get it right. And good point. Interest rates also are a bit better after Fed hiked the short-term rate. Yeah, it's been very interesting over the month. Right on one end, the ten-year Treasury yield had also increased again because of the Jackson Hole meeting. I think one or one a little over a week ago. So things have picked up back up. So we'll see if that makes any impacts. Or this is all just these are all short-term fluctuations. At the end of the day, as a homeowner, you're not a flipper. Yes, we all want to get cash flow positive and we want to make money on day one. The reality is like anything else, like all your investments. Just be honest with yourself. Are your stocks higher and would you like to sell it at a gain or a loss? Like nobody wants to sell it at a loss, but the reality is many of our stocks are down. It's just the reality of the market. Over a long period, if you're in the right companies, in the right areas, you will likely do well. So everybody wants to try to time the bottom, but the reality is no one will know the bottom until it's already risen back up. And as you can see, there's already a lot of clear signs that it is rising back up. Now, I don't think it's going to be a crazy uptick, but I think that that progression downwards is pretty been a pretty big discount already for a lot of people. I mean, talk about 19% in San Francisco. Talk about 15% in a lot of these other markets. Yes, interest rates have gone up, but for the most part, they've somewhat balanced themselves out. And this actually leads to this next headline article. Rising mortgage rates complicate decision on buying versus renting. Cost of buying and renting has risen rapidly, but mortgage payments are the highest on record relative to rents. There's a few thoughts about this. A few opinions about this is, think about this. Has the gap 
of people having money versus people that unfortunately are renting and may not have as much money, has that widened over the years? How does that look and how does that feel? And the reality is likely. Uh, a lot of people, especially in the Bay Area, over the good times in tech have done far better and have far more flexibility than those otherwise. So there's always that aspect of things. And also, to be fair, um, the thing, like I mentioned before, is all about thinking about the long term. Do you want to bank and ride this out by paying a year, multiple years of rents? Like you're not, you're paying to wait. There's a there's a cost aspect of that. It's not simply just, oh, just time in the market. There's also the aspect, if you are wrong, you're paying a price to wait. And if you're also wrong and prices do eventually recover, then you may be out of the market altogether because you may not have been looking at it. And so the reality is it's really less about market timing and it's about what do you want to do and do you plan to be in the area for a couple of years? That's why I tell everybody at this stage, because I, it is completely unknown where the market will go up or down. You can see some signs that it's picking back up. You can also just factor in relative to your monthly expenses, what you can buy up to, because that's what you want to boil down to. You have three options when it comes to higher interest rates. Option one is you decrease your price. So whatever you're comfortable with, there was some number that you had in mind. It wasn't a number because of a price. It was some monthly number that you were comfortable with relative to your income. So do that math. Understand that. Is it 6,000 a month? Is it 10,000 a month? Is it 20,000 a month? Is it 4,000 a month? Whatever it is, do that math. And that and then do that math and then figure out, okay, well, what can you buy for that? And then look for homes in that price range. That's number one. So people have been decreasing their budgets and that's normal. It's You have to increase your budget in an up market if you want to stay in the same locations. You can get, you have to decrease your budget in a, in, a down, in a market that interest rates are rising. But fortunately, prices have already declined quite a bit, as you can see, to balance this, itself out. So that's number one. Number two, you can go with other types of products. So you can go with adjustable rate products. Those have lower interest rates by about 0.75% at this stage versus a 30-year fix. You can get locked in for five years, seven years, and still have a lower payment. And if you're only going to be living in the home for a couple of years because it was going to be a trade-off anyways, it may be a good option. And number three, just put more money down so that your monthly payment is less. Those are additional options. And another strategy, kind of a 3B is, well, Spencer, my stocks are down. I don't want to sell my stocks at a loss. Nope, that's okay. Another option is you can get a equity line of credit against your securities, against your stocks. So some people like to do that instead. So they're like, look, I think long-term my stocks will recover. I don't want to pay either the tax gain or tax loss, whatever the situation is in your case. So I take a, I borrow against that. So you can reach out to me. I can introduce you to other I can introduce you to any of the wealth management arms for different companies. I just had a conversation of this 30 minutes ago with another client. It's a valid option. And then as, as things progress better or things change, you get bonuses or you want to pay things off, you just pay that off first. And then that will certainly help because then you don't get taxed on it for borrowing against uh, a line of credit. So there's so many different strategies. At the end of the day, there is no ex there's no real excuse there. Like, like I said, people don't just all of a sudden go from one to zero, as in you can buy options and you can't buy. No. And the good news is the market is balancing itself out very evidently. So while interest rates have risen by X amount of percent, you can see prices have declined a lot accordingly. So the reality is a lot of the areas that you may have been considering before, if you had 
the ability to have a similar price range as before, they may have came into favor. And that's very fortunate. And the benefit of a down market is there's less competition. So your front levels of frustration are different, right? Imagine this, there's, there's up and down market. And if you're in an up market, it's gonna be very competitive. You better have a good more money, a lot more money down. You better have a lot more willingness to, to pay above the market and to pay above others. In a down market, you have the ability to potentially buy below market. You have the ability to have less, like almost no competition. So there's always pros and cons with each. So it's very important to understand that from a macro situation. Let's talk about this, the, the 2022's best real estate market. So how is this even discovered? These are always so, um, always so, uh, so interesting because there's just so many different data. There's just so many different uh, metrics. And at the end of the day, the metric is all about uh, however they want to weigh it. And then apparently there will be different scorings, but it's kind of fun and it's good to talk about. It's certainly get some publicity for Wallet Hub. We're even talking about that today. You can also see just how they forecast it. But there's, of course, there's a lot of interesting metrics here. But home value forecast, full weights, right? This is based off of Zillow's home value forecast, which uh, hasn't done the best uh, over the course of time. But nevertheless, it's a, it's still a metric that somebody has to use. You got to use some metric, some sort of forecast. So it's only eight point. Medium home price appreciation, medium days on market, share of seriously underweight underwater uh, mortgages. So those are potentially likely to start defaulting, getting foreclosures. Ratio of rent price to sell price. Okay, well, that surely just also means that it's uh, there's less price growth. That's usually what that means. Foreclosure weight, sure people delinquent. So a lot of this is really to people that may be underwater. Vacancy rate, sure of young homes. Refer to housing units built between 2010 and 2020. Okay, this is really interesting because a lot of the areas in the Bay Area do not have this at all. Uh, same thing with this. They'll, they'll rank very low on these because there's very little permits per thousand residents per, for the people in, the, in in California, but especially the Bay Area. Affordability is total 20 points. So when you see about this, right, there's a lot of things here that are actually quite negative for in the Bay Area. So you'd be surprised if you can find anything in the Bay Area, when you have all these different things here that are just pretty much as close to zero points uh, automatically. So, um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be almost zero points. The other thing that's not here is there's nothing related to, and what I don't like about this metric, but we're going to just talk about it so you know too, there is nothing here related to incomes. Well, I guess there kind of is. Well, I guess there kind of is here. The metric measures maintenance, no, maintenance costs. Home price. So this one has it. So it has a little bit of income, but the weight is so low at five versus all these other things that are much higher. So the income is certainly very important. So let's take a look at it. What are the cities? So in the top, you're going to have, as usual, lots of homes in, or lots of places in Texas. The standard place that a lot of investors have been buying. Um, so none of these are too surprising. So all of these seem pretty surprising. A lot of the areas are, yeah, seem very, yeah, a lot of the areas are kind of there. But what's interesting is look at this, Bellevue and Washington. I'm actually going to Washington in 10 days or something like that. But Washington's on the top, top here. Look at how strong the real estate market is. Number six out of that rating schedule. Look at the affordability, terrible, 125. Let's look at Seattle. Wow, Seattle, very big one too. Eight, affordability, 94, makes sense. Is there any in, oh, there's Roseville in California. That's nice. 
All of these are like mid mid markets for the most part outside of those two. You have Irvine, Irvine, nice, 35 ranking here. You have Florida's below them. I'm surprised, 30, at 38. You have Elk Grove, nice parts of Sacramento. You have Sunnyvale, ranked at 29. Congrats to Sunnyvale in the Bay Area, the first one on the list of Bay Area. You have Santa Clara, 42. Congrats to Santa Clara for being on this list. What else do we got? Yeah, Chico, nice. You got Fremont. So you got Fremont on this list, top 100. And then let's just wrap up the top 100. There's even more. There's like 300 or something. You have also San Jose. So kind of interesting that uh, some of these will, will ultimately show up uh, on the list. Uh, it's kind of interesting, the, metric, the, the metrics of this. I'm not sure if it's exactly uh, who's this geared for. I don't know if it's for people wanting to buy a house. I don't know if it's people for investing a property. Um or it's just Wallet Hub trying to be on top. I haven't actually heard of Wallet Hub before, so they at least got their name from this stats. Let's go to the next one. Bay Area University loses top ranking on Forbes Best College list, but so at the end of the day, UC Berkeley was knocked from its number one spot, tumbling down to share the number two ranking with arch rival Stanford on Forbes 2022 list of America's top colleges. What's always cool about this and important to see about this is that at the end of the day, universities are still a very big feeder of top talent and what's a very important metric and measurement for a lot of these is just the understanding okay well you look at these top schools let's see if we can open that up if you look at the top schools what are your where are these people usually going and a lot of them are ultimately coming to the bay area to do work so a lot of people at mit come to the bay area especially when it comes to ai so you have a lot of that stanford same thing uc berkeley same thing you have ucla Columbia and Princeton, a lot of them tend to go to the East Coast. Same with a couple of these other ones. They tend to stay in the East Coast. But a few of these top, top ones, especially when it comes to tech and the sciences side of things, they ultimately end up to work and stay here in the Bay Area. So these are all great for those individuals, but uh, always interesting and very important to also understand why certain areas continue to do well because they continue to be feeders even for these places that are not even in the Bay Area, they are feeders to the Bay Area. Another one that's not on the list is uh, Carnegie Mellon. And you'll see that CMU is huge when it comes to being a feeder for talents here in the Bay Area. So that's that. Let's take a look at some other things. Job numbers. Cal workforce report. LinkedIn workforce report, September 2022. The job numbers was actually better than expected. It has actually been an increase of hiring uh, versus the last several months. So it's been a positive sign of things. But jobs, while you see some layoffs, especially for those high growth companies that have not been able to make money at all, uh, they've been cutting and they will continue to cut. But a lot of other companies are still hiring. There's still a lot of moves to be made. Um, tech is certainly taking more of an impact, but you can see some of these other uh, industries are continuing to still hire and they still need a lot more people. I mean, our unemployment rate is just staggering low. And um, so it's all continues to be good news. This, and this is a stat really on the national level. So it doesn't really, um, it doesn't help. These are all like national levels. But let's take a look at this. It's cool to see this breakdown because this is very important. So what are actually growing? Education has grown a lot. Holy cow, 12% year over year. Entertainment providers, that's down a lot because people may have less money to spend or want to spend. So people are also cutting jobs in advance. Professional services is down by 11%. Companies cutting costs. Real estate, certainly down. You see a lot of layoffs when it comes to mortgage lending. 
right? Because of the transaction volume, as you have seen from the numbers, are all down. So that's important to be mindful of too. Tech is down, right? We see layoffs happening um, across different companies. Transportation, interesting, is down. Uh, logistics, like same thing with a with a economy that's uh, in a decline. Then these different companies need to cut back on resources and slow down on their expenses. The utilities, this is interesting. Utilities up by a lot. That's interesting because a lot of the utilities tend to be a very regulated industry. So the question is, are some of these like they couldn't? Maybe they couldn't been they couldn't have hired in in the past because it was the labor market was so tight. But as these different professions and the different jobs lose out, maybe they're going to these other industries uh, to fill in that gap. I think that's what it boils down to. Is how does something like utilities? How can they how can they jump twenty four percent? Very very interesting uh, move. So that's that. But at the same time, you have this that had happened. California lawmakers approve landmark fast food workers bill. A bill will create a new ten member fast food council with equal number of workers, delegates, and employee representatives, along with two state officials empowered set to set minimum standards for wages, hours, and working conditions in California. A land amendment would cap any minimum wage increase for fast food workers that change more than 100 restaurants. These are the big change at $22 an hour next year compared to the statewide minimum of $15.50 an hour with cost of living increases thereafter. See, I don't, I mean, this is a very um, tricky thing. On one end, I understand what they're trying to do, and they're trying to play their hand into uh, corporate America and it, when it comes to the this kind of work. But at the same time, like these companies, especially if they're a fast food, I mean, their margins are super razor thin. They are a low margin. They're all about volume. And if they have to increase this by basically 30% of their labor costs is now up by 30%. Actually, no, it's 50%. This is another $7, basically $7. What do you think they're going to be doing? Do you think they're just going to hire more people because of this? Most likely they're not. The most likely they're just going to be eating using robots or that you already see a lot of those screens that people just order themselves. They'll probably have to cut people. So I think over time, it's just a ne very negative thing. And so what, what's and unfortunate about this is look at what like In-N-Out is. So In-N-Out is not, I mean, they do a little bit of technology slightly when people have those tablets outside to do things faster. So they do a little bit, but they also have so many people and they pay their employees way higher than minimum wage. Why do they do that? They want good talent. They also have run a very good business, right? And they're also incredibly busy and they're very efficient with things. So you look at In-N-Out, which is like more than the $22 already. Um, if you didn't know, managers in the, at In-N-Out make over six figures. In case you're looking for a job, that just gives you an idea. Like they're doing very, very well. And so you see these things happening. And so on one end, I understand what they're trying to do. But at the same time, this just keeps it more out of reach for new people to actually probably get into this workforce. Um, especially as your know, first jobs. I remember my, well, some of my first jobs, I worked at AMC, the theater, which who knows if they'll be around. I worked at Great America, got paid my minimum wage. I think when I was working there back in high school, it was like seven or eight bucks an hour. And uh, But it was an opportunity for me to get in. And then what I already saw then was interesting. There's a lot of people, unfortunately, that were not able to work in the workforce. So I was actually competing as a high school person, competing as people maybe that were done with college or people that were in their 40s and 50s that were working at these parks, earning the same income that I was earning. So uh, it was already a very interesting thing. This was over a decade ago. 
um, more than a decade ago that these different things were already happening, that it wasn't just a first time you know, worker that was working there. It was already like people that couldn't do any do other jobs, but they had no choice but to work there or uh, they just didn't have the right skill to be able to work there. So I think this is a very dangerous thing. We should likely see a lot, probably a lot of reductions in employment because of this. And we will likely see a lot more just automation and just them accelerating the automation um, either with robots and or just self-service things. And you see that happening. You see it with the app. You can already order things on the app. You can see it just drive-throughs. You can see um, just walking in, there's already a screen to, to order yourself. You don't need a person for that. So it'll be interesting to see how this ultimately plays out. And we're going to wrap things up. Last two corporate real estate news. You can still see moves continue to happen. $1.1 billion portfolio purchase includes five Bay Area suburban office properties. So the move is still happening. Look at this. They bought 500,000 square feet in San Carlos, San, San Jose, and Walnut Creek. So the, the aspect is this, these moves are still happening. They still see opportunities in these places. You can see this work workspaces portfolio is now up to 18 million square feet, including other areas like in Atlanta, Dallas, now the Bay Area offices. So they still feel a value for these office spaces. So uh, once again, when things are this bad, the question is, will it stay this bad? Will it be reassessed now? Are there opportunities for individuals? Um, we will find out over time, but you can still see a lot of moves happening. But at the same time, you still saw, oops, you still saw some of the chill news and it's official. Like Twitter has been doing this for a while now. So this is nothing new. That's official. Twitter listing Oakland office space for sublease. Twitter has been subleasing all of their space. Combination of reasons, right? Combination, they have been fairly flexible, but more importantly, they have been going through massive layoffs and massive cost cutting um, across the board. I think they laid off, I think it was like 20 something percent of their workforce already. They probably have to lay off more. There's just so much bloat there, especially in this kind of market where that's not uh, allowed or warranted. So with that, the SF space has been subleased and the Oakland space is also being subleased. Well, I hope you found this valuable. If you have any questions, if you want to buy, sell, or invest in the Bay Area real estate market, please reach out to me directly. I'm going to leave my contact details below in the banner, 408-547-4590. Enjoy the long weekend. And last but not least, subscribe to this channel. Only about 15% of the viewers are subscribed to this channel. You don't want to miss out on these very important week-by-week -week market updates that I go over live every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Enjoy the weekend. Stay cool. It's going to be a hot one. Bye now.